You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy July 4th weekend. All of you joining us online, wherever you are, we're honored to have you. Uh, We consider ourselves to be all just one church. Some of us are here, some of us are traveling, some of us are on vacation. Some of us are here and on vacation at the same time, but enough about all of that. Uh, We are honored to uh, live in this country. It's not perfect in all regards, but there's no country I would rather live in uh, than the United States of America, so we celebrate our Independence Day. I am preaching today from this subject, moving fast and slow, moving fast and slow. One of my favorite books uh, about uh, human nature, about decision-making, and all of those kind of things is entitled Thinking Fast or Slow, but I don't have time to get into that. I just used it as a kind of an idea uh, to look at our relationship with time uh, biblically. And interesting, there is uh, quite a lot of Scripture to make us better stewards of our time. How many of you tend to be, uh, live a lot of your life in a hurry? Now, confession's good for the soul. Right? Kind of raise your hand in a guilty manner and just admit you tend to, to, to be in a, uh, in a hurry. Some of us live our lives kind of rushing. I think perhaps compared to a lot of countries around the world, American culture predisposes us to be in a rush. Uh, We like things to uh, happen and happen quickly, uh, including the message. And uh, you hear everything that happens in the first 20 minutes, and after that, you start protesting with your attention. I know all about it. I am uh, well aware. We tend to live our lives in a hurry, and as a culture, we are are obsessed with time. Let me give you some titles of self-help books that are uh, popular. Uh, The one-year college degree. I don't know where that exists, but I'm interested. Uh, How about this? 30 days to a better life. Just think of how many opportunities you've wasted to have a better life. Uh, Seven days to a brand new me. Man, you should get busy. (laughs) 60-minute marriage builder. Um, Yeah, I mean, good luck with that. Uh, How about 60 minutes a day marriage build? But anyway, moving along, if that's not in a hurry enough for you, maybe let me give you some more. How about this one? Uh, This is uh, my least favorite title, The One-Minute Father. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, I don't know if it works for you, whatever. How about 60-second stress management? Some of you guys don't stop cussing in 60 seconds. Guilty laughter from various places. Um, how about the one-minute healing experience? That, that's definitely a book about God right there because he's the only one who I know who can heal anything in a minute. How about this one, The One-Minute Therapist, or here's another book title, 60 Seconds to Serenity. I mean, what have I been doing wrong? Um, our culture is obsessed with fast. It's obsessed with getting things done. We're obsessed with time. Uh, We rush here, we rush there. Some of you guys have a speeding problem, and you speed everywhere you go. How about some confession for the soul? How many of you gotten a ticket in the last two years? Raise your hand. 
Yes, my wife. Uh, my wife just got a ticket, and y'all need to pray that she'd accept Christ as her personal Savior and get started back on the straight and narrow. Um, how many of you should have got a driving ticket in the last two years? Uh, let, me, let me do this one here for you. That's right. That You just confessed there. That's right. I appreciate that. Um, how many of you should have got a speeding ticket on the way to church this morning? All right. So, um, yes, moving along. I heard a story about a, a woman and her husband who had been fighting so many years and yelling at each other that the wife began to lose her hearing and she couldn't hear well. As they, you know, got older in years, they got pulled over by the highway patrol and she was driving and the officer walked up and he, he asked, you know, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? Um, when I'm asked that question, I usually say something that is, shows my good attitude like, world peace? Uh, no, don't do that. Um, uh, but anyway, <laughs> do you know why I pulled you over? And the lady uh, looks at her husband and said, what did he say? And her husband says, do you know why he pulled you over? She looked back at the highway patrolman and said, no, I don't know why you pulled me over. He said, well, ma'am, you were going over the speed limit. Give me your license and registration. She turned to her husband. Remember, she can't hear. She said, what did he say? Her husband shouted at her. He says you were speeding. Give him your license and registration. So they take care of their business, and the uh, patrolman is looking at her license, and he sees she's from Concord, North Carolina. Uh, any of you guys from Concord? Just let this be a, a, a lesson in your life here. The officer says, you know, one of the meanest old women I ever met in my life was from Concord, North Carolina. The woman turned to her husband and said, what did he say? Her husband shouted back, he said he knows your mother. <laughs> so, yeah, a spiritual crowd moving along here. We all of us wrestle with what we can get done what we committed to get done that we shouldn't have committed to get done because it is ruining our lives. Some of us struggle with boundaries. That's a different message. Some of us struggle with saying no. That's a different message. Uh, you can't give away everything or you have no room for purpose and calling in your life. Just, you know, uh, go forth, thou art healed. <laughs> um, you, you, have to, you have to understand some of these things in order to have purpose and calling in your life. But all of us we wrestle with getting things done, uh, making decisions. Uh, we want wisdom. How many of you want spiritual wisdom in your life? Uh, you're not just people, you know, kind of wandering through life. You're, you're at church. And the, the, the reason why we come to church is we believe that our lives are better with God than they are without God. We don't come to church because we're perfect. We come to church because we're trying. I expected a big amen from this side of the church, but I didn't get it. Because I know there's a lot of people here that, that that's about as good as you're doing is trying, right? Uh, no, I want you to see, I want you to understand that uh, it's easy for us to fall into this trap to think that people who come to church are people who make no mistakes, uh, commit no sins, have no problems. I, I want to disabuse you of that idea. The only thing different about people who come to church is uh, they're trying. And so to all you folks who are trying today, I want to say, God bless you. You're not alone. He's not going to leave you in the mess you're in. He's going to help you make it all the way home. And can the church folks say amen? We go to the scripture for wisdom, and we ask ourselves this question. Um, is this the 
situation I'm in, uh, the kind of situation that I should decide something quickly or I should take my time. Now, let me just real quickly uh, add this to your consideration. Oftentimes, you don't know what you should do. Oftentimes, you don't know what the best decision is. And sometimes it's the wrong question to ask, do I know what to do? Because not only do you not know what to do, it's going to be several years before you do know what to do. Now, how many of you guys know that to be the truth? (laughs) Um, So oftentimes, uh, rather than wrestling over, do I know exactly what to do? Let's take a step back and try to ask a question that sets us up for a better quality of decision. And here's the question, not do I know what to do, but... Watch this. Is this the kind of question I should be making fast, or is this the kind of question I should be taking my time with? Do you think, you see the difference what I did there? Is this situation something I should rush through, or is this something I should take my time with? Now, luckily for you, the Bible has a lot of scriptures on when you should hurry and when you should rest, when you should rush to do something and do it quickly. And when you should slow down and wait upon the Lord. Uh, Two theme scriptures that I'm going to share with you. And the reason why I'm picking two is because so much truth in the scripture is given to us not as formula, but as uh, a range. uh, You'll have one perspective over here and you'll have another perspective over here. And if you just choose either one of them, oftentimes... Uh, you have missed the, the larger lesson that is in sacred Scripture. And it's almost as though truth in the Scripture is held in tension between two realities. Uh, for example, you will think in terms of grace and truth. Grace says God loved you enough to wash your sins away and help you with your life. Truth says you're a sinner and you need uh, to repent. But you don't live all in one or all in the other. You live in this tension between uh, the two. Uh, Let me give you an example. Mercy, yes, and judgment, yes. Mercy does not say there is no judgment, and judgment does not say there is no mercy. We live in the tension between these two realities, between mercy and judgment. How are they reconciled in our lives? Well, that's why you ought to call upon the name of Jesus in your life. That's why the gospel is relevant for you because through Jesus Christ, you are able to be reconciled to both mercy and judgment. And again, can the church say amen? Now on this issue of time, we see the exact same thing. We see a range. There's a tension. It's almost like a suspension bridge is being held up by connection over here and connection over here. And the suspension cables is what is holding the weight of the bridge. They, if you took either foundation away, the whole bridge would collapse into the sea or into the bay or the river. It is the connection between two opposing pillars of truth that are not in opposition, but are in parallel. This is so important for our growing spiritual maturity. 
Uh, it's usually dangerous for us to choose one and pretend like the other is not just as important. It usually ends us to a type of being spiritually, shall we say, lopsided. You have to have uh, grace. You have to have truth. You have to have mercy. You have to have judgment. So when we talk about time, we see on one hand there's things you ought to hurry to do. You ought not to schedule a picnic. You ought not to delay. You ought not to put it off. And the Bible will give you those. We'll talk about those. And on the other hand, there's things you shouldn't rush to do. You should wait upon the Lord. Do you see? So two theme scriptures. On one hand, Psalms 119 and verse number 60. I'll read TEV version. Without delay. Somebody say, without delay. I hurry to obey your command. This is one foundation over here. Things we should not delay. Things we should not put off. That is one connection to spiritual wisdom and understanding. On the other hand, perhaps the most famous scripture uh, in regards to this is Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 31, which is very famous, and you will know it, but those who wait... On the Lord shall renew their strength. Do I have any church folks in here today? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Now notice this. What are we doing? We're waiting on the Lord, and the Lord is going to give us an image of hurry. They shall run and not be weary. Wait a minute, I'm confused. On one hand, you were telling me to wait. But then you show me that by waiting, I'm really running. Sometimes in our spiritual life, the most effective thing we can do is wait upon the Lord. Don't rush. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't get angry. Don't get mad. Simply wait upon the Lord. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so let's talk about when you should hurry. Now, this isn't just my opinion. I want to give you some biblical understanding. Number one, when God tells you to do something, it's not time to wait. It's time to act. That's some good preaching. Just take your time. Take your time. Thank you very much. I will. Uh, you don't want to hear my singing. I'm going to make you hear my preaching, my God. When you know what to do, when you know what to do, it's not time to wait. It's time to act. Let me read uh, Mark chapter number 1, verse number 17 and 18. Jesus said unto them, come and follow me. So when you read the scripture, what did Simon and Andrew do? They immediately left their nets and followed him. How about Psalms 119, verse number 60? Without delay, I hurry to obey your command, we read earlier. Number two. The second time where there is no reason to wait. You don't need to put it off. You need to make a decision. That is whenever you need to ask for or offer forgiveness. Whenever you need to ask for or offer forgiveness. It's not time to think about it. It's not time to wrestle with it. It's time to strive for forgiveness. Remember, when we have bitterness in our spirit, first it it, it cuts us from the inside out. When we have hatred in our heart, what does it do? It makes us bleed from the inside out. And oftentimes, we don't just carry it in our life. We, 
We carry it into our relationships with those people who are close to us. If any of you, let me, let me just pause here and preach to some people here. If any of you are going through tough times and in your life or in your career, you are drinking bitter waters and there is a struggle, a bitterness in your life, make sure you're not bringing it home and making your family cope with it. You make sure you're leaving it out of your life. If any of you are experiencing frustration in doing a work for the Lord or frustration in ministry, we'll talk more about this in just a moment, but if you're, if you're, if you're experiencing that, make sure that you're not asking your family to help you carry it. Why? They don't have your calling, and to them it will just feel like pain and a spiritual wound. You need to understand that whenever there is those kinds of bitter waters in our life, when we have ought against somebody, when somebody has hurt us, we need to run toward forgiveness. I said we need to run toward forgiveness. We need to run to forgive others. Even, even if it's not for them, it ought to be for them. But even more importantly, you need to do it for you. And secondly, uh, you need to offer forgiveness. So uh, let me read Matthew 5, verse number 23. If you are given an offering at worship and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your offering and go immediately to that person and be reconciled, then you can come back to worship and offer your gift. Think about this. God says you're at the altar. You're in, what do you do at the altar? Well, you worship, you pray, you make an offering to the Lord. Even if that is what you're doing, stop it. It's time for you to go be reconciled to your brother or to your sister and then come back. Let me tell you something that hopefully you've been serving God long enough to know. It's really hard to be right with God and wrong with your brother. It's really challenging. It is like a, a limiter on your faith, what you can do and be in God. It's really, really hard to love God and have aught in your heart, anger, rage, and hatred in your heart toward other people. Number three, when I feel tempted, it's not time to wait a while. I need to get out of there. It's not time to schedule a picnic. It's not time to have a philosophical discussion. It's not time to wrestle with it. When I feel tempted, I need to hurry. I don't need to wait. 1 Timothy 6, verse number 11, run away from all evil things. Did you hear that? Run away from all evil things. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 14, run away from the worship of idols. How about 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 18, run away from sexual sin. These temptations are not to be toyed with. They are to be turned away from, and we need to take action. It's not time to have discussion. It's time to make a decision. Number four, when I've made a promise to God, it's not time to move slow. It's time to move fast. Ecclesiastes 5, verse number four. When you make a promise to God, keep it as quickly as possible. He isn't happy with foolish people. Do what you promised to do. If you make a commitment to God, make, take action toward that commitment. Number five, when I have an opportunity to do good, 
When I have an opportunity to help somebody, I should move quickly. It's not time to be slow then. It's time to move quickly. Proverbs 3 and 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it while it is in your power to act. Jesus said in John chapter number 9, verse number 4, all of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the Father who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. So we've covered five times when we should hurry. Number one, when you know what God has told you to do. Number two, when you need to ask or offer forgiveness. Number three, when you're dealing with temptation. Number four, when you've made a covenant or a promise to God. Number five, when you have an opportunity to do good to others. And finally, number six, and this is my favorite, when you feel the conviction of the Lord in your heart and you feel the Lord drawing you to a relationship with Him, it's time to take action. It's not time to wait. It's not time to put it off. It's not time to argue it out of your life. It's time to take action. Don't wait until you think you're perfect. You'll never serve God that way. I understand it's really easy uh, if you have some flawed theology to believe that uh, I haven't been good, therefore God doesn't love me, and because God doesn't love me, there's no point in me praising him or going to church because I wouldn't be saved anyway. Uh, this, is, this is your flawed philosophy, Flaw, theology, I should say. I've not been good, thus God doesn't love me, therefore I shouldn't go and praise or worship the Lord. This is flawed theology because even if you had been as good as you could be, you still wouldn't be good enough for salvation. You would still need mercy to be saved. Why? All of our best efforts ultimately are like filthiness before the righteousness and goodness of God. So even if you've been good, you would still not be worthy to come to church. This is not an excuse for continuing without effort, but it's also not an excuse to stop trying because you don't think you're good enough. This is what I want you to do. I want you to say, I'm going to church, not because I'm perfect, but because he is. I'm going to church, not because I've done everything right. I haven't, but because he's done everything right. I don't do all things well, but he does all things well. And I'm preaching to some people who the enemy, every time you slip up with a sin and you're fighting lust in your life and you're fighting insecurities and you're fighting uh, all the temptations of your generation, which parents, if you think kids today have it easier than you have it, you, ha you had it, you haven't been paying attention. These kids have it more difficult. They're exposed to more earlier. I want to say to all of our kids here today, decide I'm going to be a praiser, but whether or not I am perfect, I'm going to be a praiser because there's some part of me that needs it. How do I feed the good that's in me? I do it through praise. The Bible says, let everything that hath praise uh, breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Quit judging yourself. How would you know? Say, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. This ain't about me being good. It's about him being good. And so I'm going to go to church and I'm going to praise the Lord. Sometime the preacher's going to get me. That's okay. I know that's his job. 
Every time he gets me, I'm going to try to do better, but I'm going to separate my praise from my performance. Mm. How do I know you should do this? Well, I want to tell you that God loves you before you even try. God loves you in your sin. And God offers an antidote for your sin, and that is what he did at Calvary. And then he asks you to respond to his love by trying. Turn your heart toward him and start trying to know him. Start trying and you'll find out of love is a power that you never had simply by the force of will. That's another message for another time. Love never fails. Love never fails. When God convicts you and draws you, it is time for you to act. 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 2. God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. And can that church say amen? All right, moving along quickly. I have some biblical insight on when you shouldn't move fast. We're talking about fast and slow. We're talking about when you should move fast and when you should move slow. The Bible gives you insight to when you should move fast, and the Bible gives you insight to when you should move slow. So if we looked at the Bible and we said, here is wisdom found. Where is wisdom found? Somebody say the Word of God. We say, here is wisdom found. And then we come to church on a Sunday, and we say, I want to apply divine wisdom to my life. How do we find it? We look what the word of the Lord has to say. So when do we move slow? We know it's important. We know there's times in our life when it matters. We read scriptures like Proverbs 14 and verse number 29. It's smart to be patient. We read that and we say, all right, I want to know when I should move slow. And here's number one. The, most, the first time that you should know biblically when you should move slow, and that is this. When I don't have all of the facts, I should move slow. How about, how about Proverbs 19 and 2? Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. How about that for some divine wisdom for your life? When I don't have the facts, I need to slow down. How about Proverbs 18 and 13? To decide before knowing the facts is shameful and stupid. You got to love that living Bible. (laughs) To make decisions without all of the facts is an error. It's time to move slowly when I don't know all the facts. I'd like you to smile at your neighbor and get your little finger out and point it at him and say, that was for you, my brother, my sister. That was for you. When you don't, you know what you, tell him. Say, you know what you heard about me? You didn't have all the facts. Go ahead and tell him that. Tell him, you know that will bless you. You know what you heard about me? You did not have all the facts. Good to see you, darling, running off across the country. I don't have all the facts, I know, but I'm telling you, it's good to see you. Anyway, these girls grow up, and these men want to take them all over the country. Out of the will of God, I say, out of the will of God. No, I I love our young people. So, all right, so uh, number two, when biblically should I move slowly? How about this? When I'm hurt or angry, I should move slowly. James chapter number one, verse number 19 Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I want you to know that scripture right there is the opposite of social media. Social media is in the Bible, but it's in the opposite form. Everything that's on social media is the opposite of James chapter number 1, verse number 19. On social media, people are quick to speak. They are... (laughs) They are uh, slow to listen if they listen at all, and they become angry over everything. I mean, really, who has that much energy? I am amazed at the energy people have to be furious about everything. And I just want to say, you poor darling, you exhaust me from a distance. (sighs) Everyone should be slow to speak Quick to listen. I know I messed it up, but I do that sometimes. Y'all pray for me that I'll make heaven my home and my wife will be saved. And slow to become angry. How about Proverbs 14, 29? Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is quick-tempered makes foolish mistakes. When I'm hurt, I need to slow down. When I'm angry, I need to slow down down. I need to go to turtle speed when I am angry. Me and my my kids always, we would race when they were growing up and uh, we would talk smack to each other while we threatened to beat one another and we would always talk smack because one of the things it's dads do, now you moms don't do this, dads teach their children how to talk smack. You moms are like, oh, you poor darling, you're a princess. Dads are like, I'll slap you this side of the house. You're just talking smack. You're not really going to slap anybody. The only person gets slapped is you by your wife. But you know how that goes. But um, we would always talk smack. And I told her one day, I said, I'm going to beat you. She always won, just so, you, just so you know. But I would talk smack. I would say, I want you to know you're slower than a government turtle. And she picked up on that, and to this day, when she goes to race me, she'll come out there. She'll be like, you're slower than a government turtle. I'm about to, I'm about to. Let me tell you something. When you're hurt or you're angry, it's time to be slower than a government turtle. It's time to slow down and put it in granny gear because I promise you, you are always able to make the situation worse. You're not always able to make it better, dearly beloved but you're always able to make it worse. Everyone, we read it, should be slow to anger and slow to, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to angry. Number three, you should go slow when you're making a major decision. Now, I know it sells people's job to close you, and, and they, they're trying to make a living, so uh, we, we understand and we have patience for the salespeople. We get it, but Um, In the same manner that uh, they will push you to make a sale, you can push back and say, this is not the kind of decision I need to make in a hurry. And um, they can just put their big boy britches on and deal with it. But I I want you to understand that when you are making a major life decision, you need to put it in granny gear. You need to slow down. Let me read this one to you. Proverbs 21, 29. Wicked people blow their way through life, but God's people think before they take a step. Mm. God's people think before they take a step. How about this one, Proverbs 4 and 26? Ponder the path of your feet, then all of your ways will be sure. Or how about this, Proverbs 22 and 3? Sensible people 
will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Musicians, you can come. I'm almost done, and this is not something you should move slowly about. When the pastor calls you, uh, you should move fast. And can the church say amen? That's all right. I'm calling you all later this week, just so you know. All right, the fourth time where you should take your spiritual time, and this is so important. Let me just uh, talk a moment about this. One of the foundational uh, values that's in our pastoral team has, uh, it didn't start with me. It has been a part of this church for as long as I've known this church, and I've been in this church since I was five years old. That's right. I came to this church at five years old, and revival immediately broke out. That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. But um, uh, I've been in this church since I was five years old. I've, been, I've had every role in this church except for the women's ministry. And when I was a teenager, I tried to be involved in that for a while. And um, uh, I, have done, I have done everything. Every building we have built has my fingerprints on it. I left for 10 years because I was too spiritual for real Charlotte people. But then once I slunk back down to half carnal, I came back. That's a joke. No one laughed, but it's funny anyway. Uh, I love this church. I love the heart of it. And I want to say this. Uh, one of the deep foundational values of this church is that real ministry happens when you leave this church. What happens at the church is equipping. Uh, read Ephesians chapter number four. The work of spiritual leadership and spiritual mentorship is to, to equip the saints for ministry. And so real ministry happens beyond the walls of this church. What we do here is equipping. And I want to remind you that the Lord has strategically and intentionally placed you in your world at this time, in your neighborhood, in your job, your business, your place of employment. God has placed you so that you would make a difference in your world. Let me shock you and say this. You, as a believer, are God's plan to make a broken world whole. You see, there was a cross we could not carry because we are in our nature sinners and he is the only lamb of God for sinners slain. You and I could not carry Jesus' cross because we are not a perfect lamb. We are need, we are needy, we need to be covered. We don't simply need to be recipients. We're going to have some baptisms here in a moment, so don't be too distracted by that. But that's what's going on as people move around. Uh, we've been baptizing a lot of people this year, and I'm so thankful for that. And it is a, it's a testimony of a healthy church. We have a lot of baptisms. So, so the point is this. God has placed you not to carry his cross. And he says, if you would be my disciple... Jesus represents a way and invites us to follow him. If you would be not a disciple, what? You deny yourself. Why is that so important? Because self is the way of Lucifer. Self is what Lucifer chose. He chose self. I will be lifted up, he said. I will be exalted higher than the morning star. I. He's talking about serving self. And I want you to see, we talked about this Wednesday night in our Bible study and you guys have heard this a lot this is 
probably the closest thing to a theme I have in ministry. Uh, Lucifer shows us the way to serve self. And then when he comes to teach, Adam, to tempt Adam and Eve, he doesn't have power over Adam and Eve. He can't force them to do anything. He has to tempt them to do the same thing he did, which is serve himself. How does he do that? He says to Eve... God's trying to keep you down. I'm paraphrasing in the NJE version. God's trying to keep you down. He doesn't want you to be like him. He knows if you eat of this fruit, then you'll be like him. You will know good and evil for yourself. You will no longer be subject to God. You will be a competitor with God. And Eve is tempted to serve herself. This is the Lucifer path. That's why if you want to be Jesus' disciple, you have to decide, is my life about me or is my life about others? I follow Christ by serving others. I deny myself. I carry my cross, not Jesus' cross. He does not ask us to sit back as spectators in a stadium and watch him carry a cross. He invites us to carry our cross as a way of following him. What did Christ do with his cross? His redemptive work was to make a broken world whole. And he invites us to follow by denying the self, picking up our cross. What can you do to make your world whole? What prayers can you pray to encourage people in your life? What testimony can you give in your place of employment to show people the love of God. God gave you his power so you could be his plan to make your world better. I know you're processing all that. So let me give you a little bit more to process. Beware a religion that is about self-perfection because it's following in the same path of Lucifer. It's not about the self. Religion can be all about the self. I want to be blessed. I want to be protected. I want to have a get rich theological uh, plan. I want to make it about me, me, me. And then we call it religion, but really we're doing the same thing Lucifer did, which was to seek to exalt and elevate the self. And that kind of religion starts having a certain sound. Did I like the church service? Did I like the preaching? Uh, did I get what I needed at church? And then if we don't like it, we start church shopping to find a church to give us what we need. I'm telling you, you may mean well, but that is not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is to spend your life for others. A grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die or it abideth alone. If you want to save your life, you need to be willing to give away, give it away. Do you see this theme is over and over and over in the scripture, in the words of Jesus, and over and over and over in the epistles where these apostolic founders, these apostles of the gospel, they show us their life for others. They give the whole of themselves to others as a way of serving God. Do you see? As a church, we want to equip you to believe God is invested in you. And God is empowering you so you can serve others, so you can love others. You can make room in your life for others. And you say, I just want to stay home and perfect myself. Well, okay, I, I'm not a, totally unsympathetic. I'll be honest with you, it's much easier 
But I'm not sure that's what Jesus invited us to do when he said, deny the self. Turn away from that path of Lucifer. It's not about perfecting me. And find somebody else to show love to them as a way of loving God. Don't say how much you love God and then hate your brother. If you do that, John says, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Do you see? So here's what I want you to see. As a church... This is a core value. This is something we deeply embrace and we deeply desire. But I want you to see if you're going to be effective in ministering to anyone else, showing the love of God to anyone else. If you do that at all, you're going to have to learn when to be patient and the fourth time in your life where you need to learn to be patient is when you have spiritually planted a seed and you are waiting for it to sprout. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 3, verse number 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to scatter, a time to gather. You have to wait for God to work on what you have planted in the life of somebody you are ministering to. Ecclesiastes 11 and 6. Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which ones will grow Perhaps they all will. Or how about this? And I love this passage, and I'm almost done. Habakkuk 2, verse number 3. God says this. At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. I've come to tell somebody today. You need to keep on waiting. It's going to happen. Did you hear what the preacher said? Keep on waiting. It is going to happen. Stand with me all across the house right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need your wisdom in this, in this generation. We, we need your wisdom in the effort that we make towards your kingdom. God, I'm praying for every individual here. There are people who are wrestling with decisions. It might be the kind of thing they need to take action on. And we need your word to help us see how we need to take action. It might be the kind of thing we need to wait upon the Lord with. And we need your wisdom to learn to wait upon your word. To, to wait upon the move of your spirit and the assurance of your spiritual direction. Lord, I pray for everyone, whether they're watching this remote in the city or anywhere uh, or those who are here in this service, God, don't let us make the difficulty of our life worse by rushing when we should wait and by waiting when we should rush. But let your wisdom make a difference in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Several things are going to happen right now. Uh, there's going to be baptisms going on uh, while we have this altar service. Um, those of you who have a need in your, in your body, uh, a need in your circumstances. Actually, I was praying earlier this morning and I, I wanted to, I just felt to ask those of you who have to make a decision this week. I don't know the details, but I feel like some of you are making a decision this week. I, I want you to, uh, if you will, step out of where you are, come down to the front, let some of our pastoral team 
anoint you with oil according to the New Testament directive and pray wisdom over your life through the power of the name of Jesus. If, if that applies to you uh, during this altar time, I want you to step out. I want you to come down to the front. Let us pray for you. Our worship team is going to lead us deeper into worship. Uh, if you're staying in your seat, make sure you're not just a spectator, but where you are, focus your heart. Focus your mind. Let your words exalt the name of the Lord here today. And let's, let's take action in this moment right now as this service comes to a conclusion. Let's, let's in, be intentional with God, do you see? Let's be intentional with God here today in Jesus' name. They're going to lead us in worship. We're going to have a time in the presence of God here together in Jesus' name. If you have a need, I want to pray for you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.